Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's show, we're discussing the topic of cycle tracking, why it matters, and also eating for success. To start with, we're going to do a quiz. And by this, I mean, I'm going to quiz you, Roisin, and our lovely listeners can play along. Are you ready, Roisin? I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. Let's find out what Roisin doesn't know. (laughs) Let's do this. Are we ready? There are a few questions for you coming up. I love quizzes. Question number one. What are the names of the four stages of the menstrual cycle? Mm, Four stages of menstrual cycle. I know them. You've got the bit before you ovulate. So pre-ovulation, I'm going to call that. Then you Mm -hmm. ovulate. So that's ovulation. Mm -hmm. And then the bit after ovulation, which is like post-ovulation, that's the bit where you start getting (laughs) bloated and then you Mm -hmm. have your period. So pre-ovulation, ovulation, ovulation, post-ovulation, period. That's my answer. basically just taken the word ovulation and thrown in some English words in there. That's my cycle. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you the official answers. You are right, but we're just going to, you know, up the terminology. We're starting with the, the period phase. Now, to be fair, people do call these different things, but we're going to go menstrual phase. Okay. That's when you have your period, for those of us that, you know, have periods. Follicular phase, ovulation phase, and luteal phase. And we will talk more about these later. You're kind of right, Roisin. We're just using fancy language. Question number two. Oh, there's a second question. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got five, right? I love a good quiz. We got five questions, people. We're going in. Question number two. What is the name of the hormone that stimulates your follicles? Follicleless stuff. Okay. Again, awesome effort. So the answer is FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone. I was really close. (laughs) You were really close because it stimulates your follicles. Question number three. This hormone stimulates your ovaries to produce how many small sacs called follicles? It'd be more than one. It's a five. Obviously, it will vary, but we're going to go five to 20. Okay. okay. There's a range. So I should have applied that logic. This one and up. Next question. Which hormone is released as the follicles develop? I do know this one. This is estrogen. Yes. yes. Indeed, it is. Well done, Roisin. Number five. What is the name of the stage that follows ovulation? What is the answer, Maria? <laughs> the answer is luteal. Hooray! Luteal. I've never heard that in my life. So, Roisin, do you feel secure in your knowledge about the menstrual cycle? But you know when you're <laughs> blissfully unaware of what you're unaware of, and that's quite a lovely a, space to it's be. It's a lovely place. That's, I am that's now, the sweet spot. I'm now painfully aware of not being aware. To be fair to all the teachers out there, it probably is taught in school, but it's taught, you know, like as part of biology and how your body works, not necessarily when you're interested in having a baby. So sure. it's only when you then get a bit older and you're like, oh, my year nine biology, I actually need to know what the menstrual cycle is and how it works and where the eggs sure. come from and all of that stuff. You don't need to know this stuff unless you have a problem. 
Honestly. Uh, and therein lies the problem. And, and therein lies the problem. The problem. Because exactly. there by the grace of God go I have always said that I was really lucky to have my kids when I wanted to have them and there was no problems. I just needed to know when I was ovulating. I was just using predictor kits. Yeah, absolutely. This is why we're granular here. This is why the podcast is here, is to help people learn this stuff. Because oftentimes when people are given that diagnosis or are starting to realize they are having a problem, that's when the big information dive comes in. And that's when you specialize. As always, really excited to talk about this today. When you are in that first stage, which we're calling the menstrual stage, this is when you have your period. If your period isn't too problematic, hormonally, you're actually in a really good place to work out quite hard here because where you get your energy from in terms of your body's fuel system is actually really useful for doing reasonably intense training at this point. You might not want to because you feel crap because you've got your period. And especially for listeners that have things like PCOS, you might have really heavy periods. But actually, in theory, this is a really good part of your cycle to try things like high intensity training for fertility. I'm going to repeat not too intense, but you can try some higher intensity training. Your body can get to the carbs and glycogen quite easily at this point in your cycle, which means it's a really good time for you to try slightly more intense training. So it depends on how you feel. But when I first read this years ago, I was really surprised. So fuel is really important here. And the other really cool thing about doing exercise in this menstrual phase, if you're up to it, is exercise actually has really good anti-inflammatory traits. So if you can get to it, it can help reduce inflammation and hopefully just help you feel that little bit better as well. This always blows my mind about inflammation because people would think that exercise is inflammatory. They would think that the very action of lifting the weights and tearing at those muscles or running and using your body and maybe feel it in your knees and your hips and your joints. And they probably think, well, that's obviously inflammatory. So this idea that exercise is in itself inflammatory is absolutely incorrect. If you go too hard, exercise can be damaging, but it's definitely anti-inflammatory, yeah. which is a really cool thing. Yeah. I like all the foods that reduce inflammation. So you got your dark chocolate. We're happy. Love dark chocolate. And actually, I'm very happy to eat chocolate during my menstrual cycle. I can yeah. assure you that's the time I really need it. Avocado, <laughs> you got your nuts. Turmeric, such an advocate of curries in my house. Curries Let me just well. say about turmeric, okay? Let's be real. You have to consume a huge amount of turmeric, okay? Get the capsule form. Don't the think I've ever heard anyone say, let's get real about turmeric before <laughs> roasting, but I love it. You would have to eat a colossal amount in order to have yeah. a benefit, but you can get turmeric shots or you can get the capsules. Can I also have a shout out for beetroot at this point? You shout out beetroot, Roisin. It has you been do that. absolutely proven to help with performance. There is not beetroot left in the country before the London Marathon. People realize that it has a really good effect on cleaning the body and getting the oxygen in. Again, you have to eat quite a lot of beetroot. I'm not crazy about beetroot juice, so I tend to eat a lot of beetroot, but I wouldn't advocate it first thing in the morning. If you're a runner in the evening, before you go out, two hours before, get yourself some beetroot in the salad. It will improve your performance. When you talk about accessing carbs during this time, I think there's a bit of really listening to your body. During my period, I always feel like I need that little bit more food. And it is the carb that I'm looking for. Just be mindful about it. So when you survive this menstrual phase and, and you're like, do you know what? I'm feeling all right. I'm going to start to do the intense training. The next stage is the follicular phase. And this is a really important stage. This is where you are developing your eggs. And the idea is that you're aiming for a lead follicle and then a healthy egg 
will develop. The hope, if you're trying to get pregnant, is that it will, of course, then meet a healthy sperm. And the idea is that during this phase, so this is the bit leading up to ovulation, this is a really good time to work really hard. So this is an awesome time to push for a PB. This is a time where you should feel super energized, feeling awesome. So hit training here, again, tapered for fertility, but in theory, hit training here, this is a really good phase of your cycle. You might also feel quite clear, so might have like a lot of focus. And I've done um, posts on this in the past, but there's, there's a link between around ovulation time and you basically smashing it at work like having all the ideas, being assertive, feeling good, feeling confident. This is the phase where you rule the world and people feel amazing. So this is a good time. You also look amazing and smell amazing. If you want to go for PBs and you want to really push your weight, it's protein. Protein is going to be... You love the protein, Roshin. The cool thing about protein is you do a hit session or if you do resistance, you lift those weights, immediately kind of starts repairing what you've broken. It starts going after those muscles and starts to knit those muscles back together again. That gives you lovely form, gives you that lovely tone, long, beautiful, and it starts repairing you quickly. You must have your rest days between a hard session. Especially when we're trying to conceive. You don't want to be stressing your body out too much. Exactly. Right. Rest days. Rest days are really important. So the sooner you get the protein in, the quicker it can get into your body, the quicker it can start repairing stuff. And that means you'll be back at it after your rest day and you're going to have more in the tank. The rest days are so important for athletes, you know, per se, but also for our lovely trying to conceive community. Because like we said before, if you do stress your body out, it must rest and it must repair and you must get that good night's sleep and you must release the growth hormone, all of all of this good stuff that we've talked about before. Yeah, just to stress. Roshin is 100% right. Get the rest days in and eat well on those rest days. Get the good foods in. It's really, really important. And we want to give you the best chance of of conceiving and growing your family. So really important. The other really cool thing about protein, it satiates you. Mm, it it makes you feel fuller oh. for longer. When we talked earlier about the menstrual cycle, when you're going for the more carby stuff, this is very much you're going more your meat or your plant-based proteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the carbs slightly smaller, but amp up the protein side of things. Yep. It will satiate you for longer. It doesn't feel like it because it looks like less food sometimes on the plate. Like if you look at a couple of eggs, you're thinking, oh, hell no, hell no, that's not going to fill me. You'd be Mm -hmm. surprised. And again, I like to get it in quite quickly after a workout because it leaves very little time between working out, body feeling hungry, feeding it really, really quickly and then getting on with your day. Mm -hmm. If you allow yourself to get too hungry, you're going to be ravenous in within an hour You are, I think what you just said about it, not looking like a lot is actually psychologically a really important thing because we have this culture of all you can eat, load your plate up, an egg or a little bit of meat or a kind of delicious vegetarian meal that's kind of quite protein heavy. It doesn't look a lot. And psychologically you're looking going, there is no way this is going to fill me up, but just track it. Because I I know that if I have eggs for breakfast, I can get to 11 o'clock absolutely fine. If I do not have eggs for breakfast, Porridge is good, but if I don't have those, I will be hungry an hour later. Sure. Even though it looks like more quantity. So just try it and just, again, be mindful of when you start to feel hungry and you really should notice a difference. Just Google what's a high protein snack. You'd be amazed what's in cottage cheese. You'd be amazed what's in yogurts. 
Absolutely. So then we move into this early kind of luteal phase. So we've had ovulation, you're feeling awesome, smelling awesome, looking awesome, you know, busting out life. Next phase is this early luteal phase. And this is where you have the big hormone drops. This is a point where it's really annoying. You can go from being like, boom, I'm going to rule the world. And then, you know, you wake up the next day or the next couple of days and you're like, I feel terrible. So this is where your hormones drop. And again, at this point, you're going to start to ease off the high intensity. Perhaps at this phase, if you are into resistance training, you're going to lower the weights just a little bit and maybe focus a little bit more on the aerobic side of things. When it comes to running, because I know a lot of our listeners running and, and Roche and I love running, there's a, a type of run called a tempo run. And this is where you, you run at a kind of a reasonable pace, an effort that you could probably maintain for about an hour. So instead of absolutely smashing the sprints, you could maybe go for more of a longer, slightly less intense run. But basically, you're beginning to bring the intensity down, whether it's weights, cardio, whatever type of training it is you are into. When it comes to nutrition, again, the good news is the carbs are back, people. Complex carbohydrates, not simple, which basically means you're getting a bit more bang for your buck. So you're not having white bread. You're going to have whole grain. You're not going to have white rice. You're going to have brown rice. OK, fair enough. There's not much in that, but you have a bit of extra fiber. Instead of white potatoes, you go for your sweet potatoes. Like a cursory Google search on complex carbohydrates it will give you an idea of what to go for. I like carbs because remember we were saying about that psychologically, it's quite difficult when you're on the protein stage. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like a huge amount of food. Carbs, yeah. you can load it up. A lot of them have a low calorific value. For example, you can have a lot of broccoli. You can have a lot of cauliflower. You got to eat a lot of green beans mm. in order to get any major calories in. So really at this stage, enjoy just stay away from the simple carbohydrates, just the white stuff, ultimately. Yeah. Because that'll Which just is turn... a shame because it does taste good. It tastes but good. It but doesn't it turn... fill you up. It does you no good, people. It turns straight to sugar. Mm. It turns straight to sugar, spikes your insulin. Oh, and then you're in a whole other world of, yeah, of insulin spiking and cravings. And then finally, the last little bit of your cycle, this kind of later luteal cycle. So this is just before your period comes. And again, this is the bit where you might experience the PMS, your progesterone is rising. But again, at this point, we're going to go um, lightweight, slight resistance training and kind of low intensity. Yoga is awesome here. So yoga, Pilates, stretching, which I absolutely love, by the way, stretching is super important, not to be neglected. It's not an aside. We'll come back to that another day. But you could get your fertility yoga poses in here, like I've got in all my workouts. You can do a little yoga set, walking, just to get you through this kind of late luteal phase until your period arrives. And then, boom, if you can, you're back. Hot baths. Roisin and your baths. Hot baths. Roisin's answer to everything is basically hot baths and broccoli. It is, though. It is. Like, you know, if it works. And I know broccoli is good for you. I love broccoli. Oh, how I've changed. I think around this stage, it's all about self-care, isn't it? A really important self-care. Like we actually mean that, not just like a flippant thing that you're supposed to say, like actual self-care, because the trying to conceive journey is really tough. So if you can get your self-care in there, just to lower your stress, lower your cortisol, lower your adrenaline, get yourself off the internet, have yourself a hot bath and eat some broccoli when you're in there. Yep. You know, that's it's, what we need. This is the bit of the cycle where all of us feel absolutely rubbish and there's no point in making yeah. yourself feel more rubbish. The interesting thing with this is that you are altering your food, but not hugely. Just really what you're doing is just in that follicular period, you just got to up that protein, reduce those carbs in that time. Yeah, and then pretty much everything kind of stays a little bit static. Mm -hmm. And then during the luteal phase, think of it as a repair stage. 
Absolutely. Just go with your body. And when it comes to tracking, what's a really good way to do this is a lot of us have um, tracking apps, which we've talked about before. And within those tracking apps, there's quite often like a little notes or comment section where you can add in your own info. If you track this for a couple of cycles, for those of you that have regular cycles, I know a lot of people don't, but if you do, just very lightly track your mood or track how you're feeling when you are working out, then over a couple of months, you should start to get a feeling of, of how you're feeling at different stages. We've talked before about cycle tracking apps, Maria. I know we both use Flow. Uh, there's many others available out there. But what happens if you have no regularized cycle? What do they do? See, to go back to how we started this podcast, this is where a lot more research is needed because there's a whole ton of answers to the question you've just asked. Practically speaking, journaling is a good way to do this. I would just record, if you know what stage of your cycle you're at, record how you're feeling in that time. So I know, for example, some people have a really short luteal phase and that can be a problem when it comes to trying to conceive. Some people have a really long lichular stage. It depends if your cycles are completely random or if they are there, but the timings are different to other people. Your hormones are still at certain levels, so you, you should still benefit from being aware of the types of training in each stage. I would just keep a journal of how you're feeling and then again, what we're talking about here is being really mindful of those transition phases. So when eventually your body does ramp up to ovulation and as someone with polycystic ovarian syndrome, I know that one of the things your body struggles with is actually getting to that ovulation point. So you, you can quite often be stuck or it feels like you're stuck in that earlier stage before ovulation for quite a long period of time. So I would just track it as much as you can, use a journal, try and be mindful of, of what you can do and then go from there. Because it's, it's not ideal for people with fertility issues, but you might still have those stages. They might just be at different lengths of time. So you need to track. How do you know if your stages are longer or shorter? If your cycles are wildly long, everybody says 28 days. That's obviously not right for everybody. But if your cycles are wildly longer, so if you're looking at, I'm not a doctor here, but you know, if you're getting into the 30s, I would maybe go to the GP and just say, it might be absolutely fine, but I think it would be worth a little conversation with your GP. Some people have cycles in the 30s and that's absolutely fine. The hormones are all good, but it might be worth just going to get checked out. If you do not have periods, it sounds really obvious, then you definitely need to go to your GP because you are supposed to have periods. That is something that is supposed to happen. I know a lot of women with PCOS, they have anovulatory cycles, which means they don't ovulate, so they don't have periods. If you are wildly off the 28 days, and 28 days isn't for everybody, just go get checked out, whether you're under, whether you're over. And if through your journaling you notice, hang on, I've got a really short luteal phase here. So the luteal phase being that, that second half of your cycle. If that's really short, that can cause a few problems as well when it comes to trying to conceive. Track it. And then just go and see a GP about it and just say, look, this is what I've noticed. Bring as much data as you can. I love data, but bring data so that they don't just brush you off. So that they don't just say, oh, no, it'll be fine. You need to have some numbers with you if you can. I'm assuming they can do tests to tell you which particular phase it's, you're kind of getting stuck in. They can measure your hormones. And actually, this is where the day 21 blood test comes in for people that are trying to conceive. Because they know that at this stage in your cycle, your progesterone should be about this. At this stage in your cycle, your estrogen should be about this. But one of the very normal tests they do is the day 21 blood test, which is where they will measure uh, the hormones in your blood to see if you've ovulated. Okay, so that's kind of standard. However, as is the case with fertility, that day 21 blood test is on the basis that you ovulated on day 14. Now, if you are not a day 14 ovulator, which so many people are not, 
your day 21 blood test might come back, oh, you haven't ovulated yet because your hormone levels aren't where the textbooks say they should be. Because after you ovulate, your hormone levels should change. And again, I've had a big rant about this in the past. Some GPs are awesome. They will then continue to test you from day 21, let's say every couple of days. Because if you didn't ovulate until day 18, or let's say day 20, you're not going to be a week ahead. So you're not going to be where the textbooks say you should be. But basically, you need to be tested a week after ovulation. Just for yourself, it's a really good idea to keep that journal. It'll inform better decisions. It, can, it might even be that you can communicate to your partner if you have a partner. Look, I'm going to feel pretty rubbish at these points. This is what I've noticed. Just, you know, go with me. Just sure. be supportive. You know, bring me the ice cream. When I say I want the ice cream, on these days, bring me the damn ice cream. Maria, <laughs> oh, fabulous. What will we be discussing next week? In next week's show, we are going to be talking about exercise, nutrition and planning for the Christmas period. We know so many of you are preparing for IVF in 2024. And what that means is managing your BMI and your health over the period of Christmas. And we know this can be difficult. So tune in next week to hear all about how you can stay on track over the holidays. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.